and Harbors Magazine, covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at mainboats.com. WERU recently improved the 89.9 FM signal and is now reaching 30% more people. But our underwriting rates, they remain the same. So, if you'd like to receive regular scheduled radio exposure and support Grassroots Community Radio, meanwhile building your relationship with the WERU listeners, the members and volunteers, as well as with the community served by the station, just call us here at the station at 469-6600. Remember... This is a chance to enhance your reputation and gain public recognition as a supporter of WERU's diverse, alternative, and volunteer-powered programming. This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years, near the harbor in Camden. GambleandHunter.net. And it's 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERUFM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with host Alan Sprague is up next. Good morning, good morning. It's uh, 10 o'clock on a second Tuesday of the month. It's time for a boat talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM Blue Hill 89.9, 102.9 in Bangor. Boat talk is a, a call-in show for people contemplating things naval. And today is going to have your, your one rusty anchor, Alan Sprague. And fortunately, Giffy Full is here, too, to uh, keep things on an even keel. Mike Joyce has bowed out for the month. He is actually on a, on a boat delivery this morning down in uh, Long Island Sound and is unable to, to uh, join us. But I'm sure uh, we will be able to handle things, we being Giffy and I. Giffy, we're talking just before the show. It's an excellent time for you to call in with your boat questions. If you have any sort of a problem or situation with your boat that you're not sure just what to, uh, what to do or deal with it, give us a call at... 1-866-625-9378 is the number into Boat Talk. Boat, uh, well, I thought we'd probably start off today, Giffy, with the uh, the obvious thing that the lobstermen have been in the news quite a bit lately. Unfortunately, it's been pretty much bad news, shooting each other out in Matinicus and sinking boats in Owl's Head. Um, my, com- my first comment on it is that if you... Uh, listen to the media and they say that one out of every 10 Americans is mentally ill and you count how many lobstermen there are out there, I guess there's got to be a few wackos. But uh, unfortunately, I think it's uh, kind of a bad situation that they're in right now. They're having a lot of traps in the water and the, and the, uh, the take is down, demand is down, price of bait is still high, cost of fuel is going up. They're definitely in a, in a hard place. Well, it's it, it's a it's a sad situation. It's it's not good. 
And I, I don't feel good about it at all because one of the men in particular, I don't know him well, but he was always a well-respected lobster fisherman on Matinicus. He, he, I know he was a good man with his boat. He took excellent care of his boat. And uh, it's just a shame that things got out of hand. I, I think there's too much pressure uh, all around on the lobster fishing industry. There's too much gear in the water. Everybody knows it. You talk to any knowledgeable, long-term lobster fisherman, and, and he'll be the first to admit there's too much gear in the water. There's too many lobster fishermen. And I, uh, just from my point of view, I, I tend to blame the state somewhat for it. I, I just think that people are afraid to step up to the plate and make serious corrections that would make the whole business better for uh, the people that are in it. And uh, that's only my view. Yeah, well, if you have a view, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the number in the boat talk, and I said before, any uh, sort of boat building or boat repair questions, this is an excellent day for that. I'll, I'll throw in another comment uh, that uh, probably shouldn't make, but it's true. Uh, quite often the so-called yachtsman uh, gets criticized for getting hung up in lobster pot gear, but, uh, you know, uh, the people that sail up here in boats and one thing or another, they, most of them spend every day on the water trying to keep clear of lobster gear. So I think to a degree they do their part in the job too. You're true. You're right. I, and I unfortunately have seen quite an increase of uh, line cutters being installed on, on sailboats yeah. and lobster well, yachts too. And that's lobster boats. Lobster boats also. Uh, uh. I have I have built some things on my boat that since I put them on, I haven't haven't even come close to catching this, a fly. Yeah, this is an interesting rig. Why don't you describe it as best you can? Well, it's simply a pair. To, the simplest way to describe it, it's nothing more than a pair of airplane wings, right back at 45 degrees. They're approximately little over two feet forward of the stern bearing and they they rake it out at a they're raked aft at a 45 degree angle so when you run over a pot line or anything like that or a, a bobber uh, that line comes back and it hits that wing piece and slides off the wing and goes out clear of the rudder last year it was the first, uh, I don't know, it's the second year I had them, I guess, and I heard one lobster pot boy hit the rudder. It just banged on the rudder going by. I have not caught uh, a wheel, uh, a pot in the wheel since I put them on. That's, uh, who made those for you? I made them. You made them? Yeah, they're, they're, they're metal? They're bronze, and they're bronze, and uh, the, the forward edge is well rounded over so they can't tear or cut a pot line. Mm -hmm. They're smooth, they're rounded right over and uh, they're all rounded on the edges and then then I made them in, mounted in a bracket so if I hit a log or something real heavy I wouldn't tear them off the boat or damage my boat. Uh, they're put on with with copper uh, copper rivets. rivets and the forward one 
is smaller in diameter than the after one. Huh. So it's sacrificial. Yep. And it will snap off. But not get and, lost. And, and, and not get lost. And the, the wing just comes in alongside the keel and lays there until I replace it. Huh. And uh, I've only had that happen once. Yeah. Well, I can see you're going to be making good. this. It works good. Yeah. You ought to patent that. Gippy. No, I don't have a right to because somebody else thought it up. Oh, all right. Long, long time ago before it was necessary and, and it was never, never went anywhere. It wasn't developed. There wasn't that much gear in the water. There were a lot, water. yeah, a lot yeah, fewer lines gear, in the yeah. water. That's for Different sure. Different now. That's what the whales are saying also. Yeah. There's a lot of lines in the water. Yeah. 1-866-625-9378 if you'd like to make a call into Boat Talk. Last month, we talked with some fishermen um, who were finding ways of trying to bring some extra money into their own coffers, and we talked with a fellow who, uh, I guess he runs the, the uh, Port Clyde Fisherman's Co-op down in Port Clyde, and uh, a listener said, well, okay, that sounds great. I'd like to, uh, like to support the uh, co-op. Where can we get food from the co-op? And I've done a little quick research and found that um, the Washington... Farmer's Market, which happens, oh, I forget which day of the week, so maybe somebody can call me and tell just when the Washington Farmer's Market is. Oh, it's over near Belfast, Washington is. Um, they have a, a booth there for the fish co-op, so you can get fresh fish right that very day at the uh, Washington Farmer's Market. Support the co-op, too. Um, the, the other thing I don't quite understand is... Um the lobster fishermen don't seem to be able to gather together and do much of anything about some sort of reasonable price control. Um, I guess uh, that they had problems before, uh, either got sued or something uh, to do with price fixing. But Jeez. My, my lord, you, you, you go you go and get gasoline for your car, and there isn't that much variation in the price of gasoline. There'll be <laughs> no. a little little here, a little there, yeah. and so forth. And I, I think it's a shame they can't somehow agree that, you know, we're, we're not going to sell lobster before, below well, a certain being price. The, being the quality product that it is, you're right. It ought to be more of a premium yeah, on it, yeah. more of a rarity. I mean, the, the, government, the government fixes prices on other things like milk and you name it. Yeah. yeah. What's the matter that the lobster fishermen can't do something together? Yeah. Well, they do seem to have trouble getting their acts together. Now, yeah. but. So we do have a phone call. Let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yeah, Alan. It's Frank and Lemoyne. Hey, Frank. And, and the update you on your fish report. That's fish. And it's called the mid, like mid-coast. It's not a co-op. Or it's not a lobster co-op. It's Glenn Libby you had on there who's on right. the yep. who's on the National Marine Fisheries Council of New England also, and a longtime fishing family of brothers and fathers. Anyways, they deliver fish right next to your house where you used to live at Town Hill, at the Town Hill uh, Farmers Market, uh, when they, whenever that is. Yep, that's right. Yeah, at the, at the, uh, at the ball field next to the firehouse in Town Hill. That's right. Howdy brought them up. And then also they uh, bring fish to the Blue Hill Co-op once a week. They're that's, all over that's Saturday mornings. Well, there you go. Yep. So, I mean, and I for the oh, people no. who live down around Washington, uh, not D.C., thank goodness, um, but Washington, Maine, they um, they do it. They all over the place. Okay, so it's Blue Hill Co-op at least and the, the farmer's market in Town Hill, which is on yeah. Friday afternoons. Yep. 
and it's called the Mid. I can't remember the. It's not, it's not the Port Clyde Co-op. It's yeah, the Mid Coast Fishermen's Association, Association I believe, or something. Like that. You're right. Learned that you know they altered their gear to, you know, they're trying to you know just to use the, the new hip word sustainability. But they're trying to uh, you know get that sustainability thing going with the fishing industry. Well. I'm in the lobster business. I'm part-time these days, buying and selling lobsters. I haven't bought any yet this year. But, I mean, everything's tied to the economy, you know. So. All right. Prices are low because prices are low. Well, there is demand is down. You're right. But I think I think Giffy's got a point to it. There's more to it than just, uh, just the demand. I mean, demand for lobster as far as I'm concerned, is is somewhat diluted because the people who do a lot of the wholesale intermiddle market stuff will buy lobsters from Canada, Canada and they'll sometimes even buy South African lobsters or some sort of other sort of lobster s substitute so that what they're selling really isn't the good high-grade made lobster that we could... It, it we absolutely could. is not. I've had it. It's not bad, but it doesn't even hold a candle to a, a good Maine lobster. The lobster tail turns into a lobster tail, which most of seventy percent of them turn into a lobster tail. It becomes a commodity, and, and, it's, and it's how do you change that? I have a clue. I mean, Linda Bean's got this pie in the sky idea of making aftermarket lobster Newburgh, but you can't make sixty million pounds of lobsters into lobster Newburgh. Mm -hmm. And it's real expensive. All right. Well, thank you, Frank. You're starting to break up a little bit there, but we appreciate your call. So I, I think of the diamond market, you know, that, that's a, uh, a commodity, too, as Frank is saying, and they can actually determine the price by, by they're the, setting the quality standards themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, you know, why can't the lobstermen get together and make some grade A yeah. lobster? I'm not, and I'm not talking about trying to unfairly inflate the price of lobster. I'm just talking about some kind of reasonable limits that people can live with. Okay, so let's uh, move on to this EPIRB e thing. I happen to notice in uh, the August issue of Fisherman's Voice that there's an article on um, EPIRBs and EPIRB registration. If you happen to have an EPIRB, um, you might want to listen up to this. If you don't have an EPIRB, maybe you don't even know what an EPIRB is. It uh, stands for Emergency Position Radio Beacon. Indicating beacon. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's something that you don't want to use, but in case, in case your uh, your boat is sinking or you're in the water and uh, a long way from home, uh, the EPIRB is a device that sends out a, a signal up to uh, airplanes, I believe, that mm -hmm. passing overhead or well, an maybe airplane can pick it up, and I yeah, and other they, maybe even satellites now. Satellites. Um, they got satellite systems for it. But anyway, it it as it says locates your position so that you can get rescue to you to yourself. Anyway, the article goes on to say that they're having trouble with the registration numbers of some of the EPIRBs. They're apparently not matching up to the people who own them, so that when they try to find these owners, they're having difficulty doing that. And uh, also, they mentioned that EPIRBs need to be re-registered every two years, so if you happen to have one and it's more than two years, you need to check up on that. And uh, I guess you can just contact your local Coast Guard and they'll set you straight on just how to take care of that. I wouldn't even know how to re-register it. How do you do that? Call the Coast Guard and I, I believe they'll, they can have a form that's, uh, yeah. you, you can go online too, to a, if you happen to have, be computer savvy, you can go online and get a form. Well, from and the Coast I can Guard see there. the reason they do that and the reason probably is because 
these things go obsolete at some point. Right. And people sell their boat and they take the EPIRB off and throw it in the closet or something and doesn't go with the boat and can't blame the Coast Guard. They've got to know what one's really in service. Yeah, I remember a few years back they responded to an EPIRB going off and it turned out to be at the dump where somebody had just yeah. tossed and, it away. Yeah, and they've been found in closets too. Yeah. So anyway, if you have any EPIRB, there's a heads up for you. Um, there was a, a, a semi-boating accident uh, down near Little Deer Isle. Well, that was probably a couple of weeks ago. No, just maybe just a, a, week a week ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Last week. Uh, a mega yacht, 180-some foot mega yacht, had a little helicopter on the back end. The owner took the helicopter up for a ride and somehow lost control, ended up crashing into the water. Um, the helicopter fortunately had little flotation bags that were deployed to keep the thing from sinking. They were just sort of temporary life-saving devices, and they were worried about the helicopter sinking after a while, so it was towed ashore and uh, salvaged. It looks pretty beat up, though, and uh, I was unable to get a hold of the lobsterman that was towed it in. I would have loved to talk with him about that, but I guess it was a pretty scary sight at the time. So anyway... Even though you may have a huge mega yacht, um, you're still not <laughs> totally immune from, from uh, having an accident and taking care on the water. It was fortunately for them that they did have uh, airbags in, the, in that helicopter that deployed and kept the thing from sinking. one 625 is the number in the boat talk if you have anything you'd like to talk about lobster-wise, helicopter-wise, or anything else. We have um, a little uh, kudo going out to uh, James Nelson, who was on, ooh, I think, three months ago. James Nelson, the author of Washington's Secret Navy, uh, talked quite a bit on the show about the book that he's written and, and uh, the, uh, the formation, I guess you'd have to say, it of actually first an unofficial Navy during the Revolutionary War. Interesting. Well, man. it's interesting to me because it... Uh began in Marblehead, where I originally came from. And uh, it's a great book. Uh, I enjoyed every bit of it, although I was kind of disappointed in some of it. Not the book, just learning the real facts. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's great when somebody does a book like this and they've done proper research. Well, congratulations go out to James, yeah. because he has been awarded the, the uh, 2009 recipient of the Samuel Ellison Samuel Elliott Morrison Award. It's a, uh, a pretty prestigious award for excellence in naval literature. And uh, he is the recipient of that. So that, that's quite a high honor for that. Yeah. yeah. And he, even, even his yacht is still around and going strong. James Nelson's. No, Samuel <laughs> Elliott Morrison. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he used to live in Northeast Harbor, didn't he? He used to keep, yes. Yeah. He used to keep her in Marblehead and had... Uh, a professional skipper run the boat all the time and keep it up real nice and it's uh, great to see the boat all rebuilt and still sailing around here yeah yes anyway so if you're interested in uh, uh, James's book again I'll t give you the information it's George Washington's secret Navy is the name of the book it's subtitled how the American Revolution went to sea it's by James Nelson and you can get it in paperback at your local paperback store. So congratulations to James Nelson. 
What, um, what's been resolved, if anything, about the uh, kind of rather disastrous situation down there in Owl's Head? The sinking of the boats, you mean? Yeah. That's, uh, that's another shame. It should never, yeah. never happen. It's, that's pretty much yeah, the same, same idea, different result of the lobstermen shooting each other, too. It's, yeah. uh, well, it's, it's, I don't think they're particularly related. Oh, you think this is it's just a different issue? Not it's turf wars, issue. then? No, no. They're well, not really a different issue, and I don't know, but maybe somebody down that way might have some more yeah, information for so. us. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. We have a caller already. Let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi. Hi. I'm uh, calling from Swan's Island. Swan's Island. Welcome yep. to Boat Talk. Thank you. We had uh, uh, last Friday. We had. Uh, uh, we had a, like a little squall here. I don't know if it happened. I think it happened on Mount Desert in different places too. And uh, I think everybody was sort of lulled out into the ocean, and then the squall came along, which was actually good because everybody got a little uh, reminder of what uh, what the water can be like. Mm-hmm. It was Friday morning, wasn't it? Yeah, Friday yeah. morning. Well, it was Friday. Actually, it was Friday afternoon by the time it happened here. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, I remember I was at home at the time, but I remember it getting very windy. I thought we were going to yeah. get a thunderstorm, but we didn't. Yeah, we didn't get much of it uh, up in the Agamorgan Reach. I saw the wind come, you know, come through, and but we were only on the edge of it. Yeah, yeah. I remember doing a, a delivery out to Bermuda, and you could see off to the uh, to the east a lot of dark, dark clouds coming along in one big, long, straight line. And it, you could say, uh-oh, it looks like trouble coming here. Yeah. And at the time, I wasn't that knowledgeable about it. I said, well, this could be trouble, but I just kept on going. We were in, uh, on autopilot, cruising along. Everybody else was down below asleep. And when that thing did hit, the boat just leaned right over really hard. And unfortunately, the guys who had went downstairs weren't that knowledgeable either. And they left a bunch of drawers and doors open and things went flying like crazy when that happened. So, you're Those right. are the situations where people get into trouble quick. They uh, don't keep uh, their eyes open. And I, I have personally seen a squall like that come over some high hills down off of Plymouth, Mass. And it came so fast, it was unbelievable. Yeah. I just had just time to drop the sails. Well, yeah, yeah. This, I, I yeah. didn't drop the sails, but yeah. I had a little struggle getting the autopilot off and then yeah. heading up into it so we could lower the sails. But you're right. It's, uh, as you say out there in Swans Island, it's a good, good little reminder to keep, uh, keep an eye and some respect for Mother Nature out there. What, what other aspects uh, came about as a result of it? Well, I know a couple of people uh, had some trouble with it. You know, did they but, get wet? Go overboard? Uh, yeah, well, not they didn't go overboard, but they, you know, uh, things happen. You know. Yeah, you get some. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was uh, going you know full speed into it, and it wouldn't uh, you know barely moving. In a powerboat? Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is you know out around Johns Island, but it was mm-hmm. pretty. It's pretty. It was you know it just came up all of a sudden. It was completely blue sky, and then all of a sudden, about five minutes later, it was uh, blowing like mad. Did you? Get, did the seas get very big? Uh, no, not really, because it wasn't didn't take to, that long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if it had kept up, it would have. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is a a little panic situation when you're in a sailboat and that happens. Boy, it's uh, yeah. you're right. You gotta gotta respect Mother Nature. Yeah. Well, thank you for that call. Thank you. Yeah, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the talk number into boat talk. Giffy and I are fierce to talk about your boat, so if you have one that's uh, 
teaching you some good lessons on Mother Nature or maybe frustrating you with uh, the, some problems. We'll see if we can uh, help you out here. one 625 9378 Let's go on to uh, some in-depth reporting. <laughs> uh, in the July issue of Maine Coastal News, I realized, uh, came to find out that there's a fellow down in southern Maine who actually makes submarines. <laughs> he uh, makes one and two man submarines and has made 40 of them. And now he's gotten to the point where he's actually looking to retire. He's been making them for so long. He had one, one hull left and uh, was thinking about the Green Revolution and thinking, well, rather than having these submarines be battery powered like all the other, other ones that he had built, he's going to uh, make this one pedal powered and hadn't did, and there's a picture of it in there. It's kind of cute. Looks a little bit like uh, the yellow submarine from the uh, the role of was it the Beatles yellow submarine, <laughs> except he's painted it green because uh, he wants it to be ecological. I wonder if this is the same man or company that built submarines. George down Kittredge is yeah, his name. Yeah, he he built submarines in Walterboro. Okay. I think uh, years ago. Well. Years ago. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess apparently he's yeah. he released yeah. up until now. That's has, the has same, been still same doing gentleman. It. Yeah, one and two man submarines. Yeah. And he talks about going uh, going down along the bottom and chasing lobsters and all that sort of stuff. And he's realized that after a while he gets pretty tired pedaling this boat around. And so he's made a rig where he comes back up to the surface, opens the hatch, and has a mast that he can put up and sail the boat back to where <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty neat. So, anyway, let's go to uh, another phone call. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yes, hello. This hello. Is, hello, this is Peter. I'm on North Haven. Hi, Peter. What's up? I, I want to go back to the discussion about the problem with the lobster, lobster gear and all that. Mm-hmm. I apologize if I missed it. Your gentleman there um, uh, said he blames the state. I used to work for the state in a different agency, and it's, uh, it's easy to, to blame the state. I'd just like to hear you know, some of the issues about why why he thinks the state is at fault and obviously the state usually doesn't take action um, unless there's there's pretty unanimity of opinion about what should be done so obviously there are two sides or three sides or five sides i'd just like to hear a little bit of that kind of discussion well, let me say Thank this you. i don't flat out blame the state at all in that manner um I think there's ways that they could resolve it and make it much better if if there was a few there's a few things and one in particular that they could do and I'm sure uh, if they just stand up and say this is what we, 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 we that's got to be done and this is what we're going to do and we're going to try it for five years and see how it works. Um, I'm not at liberty to say what that is. I'd probably make too many enemies at the, this point. Well, but, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to say, but I, I... I wonder if you've communicated that, you know, your issue to the state. I'd um, love to do that if you tell me who to talk to. Well, I would I would call the governor's office and, and tell him. I mean, I'm not with the state, but no. uh, if there is a solution, maybe they haven't thought about it. And, you know, I mean, it's easy to blame the state, um, but... If there's an idea, yeah, but there. I've seen the state make dumb mistakes, just Absolutely. like we all do. Like we right. all do. I made a few too. <laughs> I, I think I made more one. Than, one. Probably more than a few. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
But uh, just in terms of some of the, the pros and cons, I mean, I, I would think that if you said we're going to limit the number of traps that you're going to put out, that people would say that is uh, going against, uh, you know, uh, our our capitalistic society, uh, economy. Um, so I, I don't know what the solution is, but um, I, I'd just like to hear, you know, what some of the issues might be on both sides. Yeah, well, I'd love I'd love to talk to somebody in this state state about it. Just uh, one idea that I have, and I'm not even a lobster fisherman. I fished years ago when I was a young man, very young. But uh, well, I heard I heard. I heard a presentation that 95% of Maine's fishery is in lobster now, which is really quite a, a startling and, and challenging mm -hmm. figure. Because Let's, if the lobster industry doesn't make it, I mean, there's not much left. Now, now let me ask you a couple of questions. How, how, how many uh, full-time licenses exist in the state of Maine? How many full-time lobster fishermen are in the state? You know, I, I that's a trivia question. I have no idea. I'd say 30,000 off the top of my huh? head. Wow. I have no idea. What? Really. No, I can't think it's any number that much. Well, I can, it's going to be a few thousand anyway. But oh, yeah. it's a few yeah. thousand. But, yeah. And you multiply that by 800 lobster pots. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, and that's, that's one of my suggestions, is, and it's going to make a, some of the highliners uh, mad, is yeah. limiting the number of traps. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, if you can have, uh, if you can have uh, a fifty-foot boat with three or four men in the crew fishing around the shore, why can't you have a hundred-foot? Yeah, with ten men. You know, mm -hmm. it, you know. I don't know. Where does it, it stop? You know. Maybe you have a, like a moose lottery. Maybe you have a lottery every year, and you have only so many licenses. I, I don't know. And that's that's one. That's one thing, and that's that's definitely something that has to be looked at. When you do that, you're affecting people's livelihoods, and yeah, you know, so no matter what you do, you're affecting exactly. people's livelihoods. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, right. you know. Well, I thank you very much, and uh, it's an interesting talk. It's fun. You. Give me a name, will you? Peter Walsh. No, I mean it's somebody to talk to in the state. Really, uh, the governor uh, is very open. I would call his office, and uh, I would say I need to talk to someone. I've got an idea about the about, uh, you know, how to help with the lobster situation, and they'll get you in touch with the right person. All right. We'll have All to... All right. Thank you. We'll have to put Giffy on that mission and see if we can give you a report <laughs> no, next no, week. I, I get in enough trouble all by myself. I'll be, I'll be listening to the report. That's great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate these kind of calls. We, this is not just a uh, uh, vanilla show. We're, we're, we can take it on the chin. one 625 9378 is the number to call if you'd like to make a call into Boat Talk. The uh, International One Design uh, sailboat races just happened in Northeast Harbor. Was it last weekend? Yeah. Maybe maybe two weekends ago. I'm but familiar, very familiar with the boat. The I boats mean, are beautiful, aren't yeah, they? They are. They're very nice boats. They're uh, International One Design, which sort of explains the fact that they all do look the same. They're designed made by a Scandinavian. I don't know his name. Uh, quite a few years ago. I guess it was back in the 20s, wasn't it? 20s or no, 30s? I, I, was a, I was a youngster when they first came into being in Marble. Had the first fleet of them that I can remember in my limited young years was um, in Marblehead. They had a fairly sizable fleet of them. Uh -huh. And like everything else, they died out. I don't know why. And then they've come back and 
many of them have been totally restored. Yeah, actually, I worked on yeah, them just they're a very, couple of wheels. They're, they're, very, they're a very nice, practical day sailor. They're, yeah. They have a comfortable comfortable cockpit. They have a, a cuddy cabin with a limited amount of room where people could yeah. lay down in a small bunk and store sails and so forth, and just good all-around sailing boats. Well, let's get back to them in a minute. But first, let's go to a phone call. We have we have a phone call. Good morning, and welcome to Boat Talk. Oop, I, Amy's on the other line right now. I'll have to wait for her to get on to us. All right, good morning. You're welcome, Don. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yeah, Alan? Yes. Yeah, it's Peter Chapman. Um, hey, Peter. How are you? Good, how are you? <laughs> well, I'm well. Um, we got reacquainted briefly on the uh, boat cruise right. uh, on Some Sound, and uh, Mike Joyce gave me a wonderful CD of uh, a couple of shows. And I'm sitting here listening to the show. And, and Where are you uh, now? Well, I'm in my cabin over in Tremont. Oh, okay. So you're listening in the radio. Yeah. Okay. And I just wanted to call and, and let Giffy know that uh, it's wonderful to hear him on the air. Of course, I sold him. Uh, my my sailboat. I think he and his son bought my boat back in the eighties and sailed her out of Freeport. What was the name of the boat? Uh, Trace was her name Trace. when I sold her. Giffy oh Trace. yeah, well that I wonderful, wonderful to hear from you. That's a great boat, and <laughs> she's down in New Jersey now. Is she? Wonderful. Yeah, I, that's the last I knew of her. She went to New Jersey, somewhere's uh -huh. down there. She's a she's a very good boat. Uh, for us, uh, sure. the, the only reason uh, that we wound up selling her was my wife was very handicapped and couldn't get up and couldn't get up from down below or go down below. So right, right. I, I went okay. back to I went to a power boat. That's why. Uh, you still a, I love the uh, boat. Golden ring. No, I sold her about. Five years ago, and now I got a a smaller thirty-one footer. Oh, does, okay. does the same thing. It's too small a boat. It's too too cramped and so forth. But it's a good little boat for a guy my age. And I'm trying to <laughs> trying to keep my brain in gear so I don't go out and do something foolish like go back and get a bigger boat again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be a little nuts to have a boat, anyhow. You know, it's part of the part of the deal. You know. Yeah. It's e yeah. easier to stay home and watch the grass grow. <laughs> what, what about Bill Page, Giffy? Is Bill still around? Oh, Lord Almighty. He's he terrible. He's right around. He's off cruising now. He, yesterday he was going up into, where was he going? Up into uh, Goldsboro or someplace up in there he was going. I and, see. Yeah, he's, uh, he's using one of my old boats that I owned way back years ago. Uh, a Roy Wallace boat, 38-foot Roy Wallace boat called the Caribou. And the boat Oh, is I remember Caribou. That's when I first heard of you, and you had a little dog named Muffin, and that was in Marblehead, I want to say, 79. Yeah. yeah, Puffin, Puffin, yeah. Puff, Puffin. <laughs> that dog, yes, that dog got more sailing miles than I ever had. <laughs> well, you know, I worked briefly at the yard then, um, and I knew, uh, I knew Jimmy, of course. Jimmy with the cowboy boots, walking all over the decks in his cowboy boots. Jimmy yeah. Graves? Yeah. 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 Right. And um, I lost track of all of that. But I, I remember when I talked to you last, some years ago, you said that you got Bucket's tools. You remember Bucket, of course. Oh, yeah. I And and 
that's a that's that's a nice story that I feel good about. Um, yeah. Bucket Barclay, I got all. He was the last real joiner at the yacht yard in Marblehead. No, Bucket yeah. wasn't his real name. He didn't have anything to do with it. Okay. Uh, he, he got named Bucket for something. <laughs> I never knew the reason, but it's got to be a story. We can make one up. But, uh, yeah, he had a, he had four chests of tools. Oh, and, boy. And, he, and he, we got into a discussion about it. He wanted me, he wanted to give them to me, and I wouldn't take them. Uh -huh. And I wound up buying them for an insane amount of money that was so little it was shameful, but he wouldn't take any more. And oh, I boy. had them for years, I've used them, and now I I decided, you know, I had to face whether I was going to give those tools all to a school or what, and I felt that if I gave them to a school, yep. they'd disappear, and there'd be, in a few years, it'd be just the empty chest. Could be, could so be. So I sure. gave them to a man that worked for Bill Page, building his new boat. Oh, wonderful. I, wonderful. Gave him, I gave the whole works. I called him up one day, and I said, you come up here with Eli, and uh, and you get all these tools, and the only deal is you keep them all together. You keep okay. them all together and take care of them. And when you can't use them anymore, you do the same. You give them uh, to somebody else. Oh, that's great. Yeah, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's working yeah. history, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's uh, just wonderful. I feel good about it. I. Uh, I had too much stuff. Yeah. Where are you? Where are you now, Giffy? Where are you? Where are living out of? Where, I live. Where, I live right in the heart of the city, of Brooklyn, Maine. I see. Okay. Yeah. Come <laughs> by and visit sometime. I will try to do that this summer. I'm going to be up here till November. It's great talking to you. Yeah, it's great to hear from you, and thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Giffy is just actually back from a cruise with uh, a yeah. ten-day cruise with your new dog. Yes, yeah, my my new dog. She's yeah. she's not really a boat dog, but she's she's getting acclimated. Does she get seasick? No, oh no, no. Okay. no dogs don't get seasick. Oh. Only people get seasick. Uh, no, no, no. I've <laughs> I've I've read that actually a third of all dogs get seasick. No, never had a dog get. I've had three of three of those dogs on the boat, and you know one at one well, at I a think, time. Never I think the variety has something to yeah. do with it too. No, and they've never seen them get seasick. Yeah. My well, the second dog I had was given to me from, and when she went aboard the boat, she was very unsteady on her legs, very unsteady. In three days, that dog had it right down pat, huh. right down pat. She gets up and looks over the rails. Yeah, walk right up around the decks, no matter what. Yeah. You know, that's that's great. You know, they yeah. you know they're having a good time when they're doing yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to be on the, on the water with yeah. with a good dog. Yeah. Yeah. You know how you uh, how you uh, house excuse the word housebreak a dog on a boat? No, no problem. I take my dog ashore. You know, seven eight o'clock in the morning, she's fine till six o'clock at night, and they take her ashore again. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was yeah. going to say they, yeah. that that avoids having never a, never have a problem with her. Beautiful. Never. It avoids having to put in a poop deck. <laughs> Uh, we won't go, there. Yeah, we won't go, go there. Okay. 
Yeah. So anyway, I was talking with you right before the beginning of the show about this 95-year-old Crosby boat. Crosby is a big builder down in New Jersey. I don't know if they're no, making any no, more now. No, Cape Cod. Cape Cod. Yeah. Oh, I, okay, I'm told o this. O Oyster Harbors. Oyster, Oysterville. Right. Yep. I was Cape. led astray because it looks to me like a Chesapeake design boat. Very shallow, big center yep. border. Yep, that's a Crosby. It's modeled off a cat boat, mm -hmm. really. They took a cat boat. I theme and stretched it. Stretched it for a little uh, bit of a yeah, bowsprit and a jib. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's her name? It doesn't have a name yet. Um, it's well, just that's a big <laughs> job. <laughs> it's on. It's on the hard. These uh, two young fellows. Well, well just what was her it. name? I don't know. I never asked well, them that. Well, better it investigate. I should. Yes. <laughs> it came up from New York City. They bought it and thought it was going to be a great yeah, boat yeah. to get on the water. And when it when yeah. it arrived here, the companionway hatch was the, missing. They were very good. Crosby was a very very good boat builder, but in the you know they were we were most fortunate in this part of the world and other places too. Down in in Chesapeake Bay, there are a lot of good boat builders. Mm -hmm. They may have built to a different style, well, but they the built to good standards. Yeah. And and uh, the only the only arguments or I ever contended with in some of these old boats, I don't know why they fastened them with galvanized iron. Mm. I guess it was a cost issue that I don't have the capability to understand, but you you you, you can do a lot with a an old uh, boat that's fastened with bronze, but when you got to deal with iron, you got another problem altogether. Yeah, yeah altogether iron. another problem. Iron starts to expand when it rusts and makes yeah. makes everything split. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, what I mentioned to you, and maybe somebody else out there might have an idea of why this was, but when I was making the new companionway sliding hatch for this boat, I noticed that the, the tracks that the, the uh, sliding hatch slides on, one is straight and the other one's got about a three-quarter of an inch dip curve down to it. Seems very this odd. This way, not this way. Nope, not left yeah. and right, just up and down. And I still say there was something wrong with it. Some something happened. It got damaged or something, and somebody patched it up instead. Well, you may be right. Maybe yeah. that straight one wasn't after. I, I've never seen. I've seen a lot of companionways, and I've never seen one that the both weren't straight and true. They could be. They could be on an angle, any kind of an angle, but the boat tracks should be parallel. Are parallel and true. That's what I thought. Never Boy, seen one any different. It was a real head scratcher for me yeah, too, and yeah. I'll tell you. No, uh, there's something happened to that. Well, I ended up somebody somebody dropped a boom on it and crushed it, and then they patched it up and. Oh, let may it go. maybe, yeah. maybe something. But yeah, it, it yeah. was an odd one. I'll tell yeah. you, it was it was an odd job making a sliding hatch that works yeah. right yeah. on that. Too. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> it, was a bit of a challenge, but we did it. Yeah. So anyway, back to the uh, International One design boats, those beautiful little, uh, they have very long overhangs and uh, short water line, tall, tall rig. Um, tight planked. Tight plank, yep. No caulking in the plank. There. Well, the ones I've seen actually were, um, I thought they were strip planked. No, Could have been. Maybe that it was that a, may have been a rebuild or something. Uh -huh. I think they were just tight planked. Yeah, very nice. Norwegians. And Scandinavians, uh, you know, build a lot of tight plank boats. All your Concordia yawls are tight planked. The only thing they do is when they plank them, they put one thread of cotton, just a thread of cotton, along the top edge of the plank and then pile the next one down on top of it right tight. 
did they even prime or anything in between the planks or just put it right in dry, huh? Dry. Huh. That's, yeah, that's you got to be, and today you, you, you need to be very, very careful. I've run into two situations where people, after they repaired a boat or refinished a boat, went and painted the planking with an epoxy primer. You never want to do that. Never do it because it's uh, that epoxy primer. It has a purpose and a place to use it, but I wouldn't use it on a plank boat like that because it stops the plank from swelling mm -hmm. properly. This is a boat that's been out for a while, and the well, planks have shrunk up. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, uh, don't. But Boy. don't, 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 don't use. Stay away it. from I mean, the epoxy you primer. You can use it on. I'm, I'm dealing with a situation right now in a big 70-foot boat, and you think the way I talk, I work a lot. I don't. I've been looking after a 70-footer that has a relatively new bottom in it, double planked, all glued together, and they primed it out with epoxy. It's very thin epoxy. That's fine, but where we're putting new garbage and broad strakes in the boat down low, I don't want any primer put on it at all, because that they're going to be cock seams, mm -hmm. and I want I want that to be able to swell and come tight like it should. What kind of wood are you using? Uh, it it's it's going to be uh, well we haven't decided it's it's, it's going to be mahogany or angelique, probably mm -hmm. African mahogany. Yeah, African it mahogany is going very popular lately. Well, actually. it's not it's not the best because when it gets some age on it. It will, it'll, it's, a, it's a homemade term, but it gets shelly. Mm -hmm. It'll come apart. You know, I'm talking about about 35, 40 years old. Hmm. It'll get like a deck of cards. Okay. You know, shelly, we call it. Yep. Sometimes you see uh, Probably cedar Probably if we logs can get some too. good Honduras, we'll use that. Yeah. yeah. I find the African mahogany a little bit hard to work with, too, because yeah, the grain, grain is grainy. funny. But see, the, all your Concordia yalls are built with it. Not everyone, but all those built in Germany, uh, that's that's where they get their mahogany from. Uh, I thought it was kind of a new phenomenon, getting mahogany no, from mahogany. No, 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 not no. at all, not at all. Yep. So there's another commodity that probably is uh, undervalued, too. Yeah. Good, good boat wood. Yeah, well, there's, 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 there's a lot of... Lot of there's still a lot of good wood around that people haven't used, and uh, just they they forget about it. Somebody mm -hmm. tries it, and it didn't work out well. And I, I know one lumber in particular that I I have a great respect for. And nobody uses it. You can't even find it to buy, um, and it's called uh, Aframosa. Aframosa. It's, and it's terrific. Sounds stuff. like a drink. Yeah, it's it's, it's terrific lumber. Hmm. Terrific. It's uh it's it'll wear as it'll wear I think just about as good as teak. Wow. And is it dark color too? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Aphromosa, write that down folks. Could be a good one. We have a phone call. Let's go to that one. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, uh maybe you already talked about this, but uh I heard that um Morris was gonna lay off 16 people and that uh, Hinkley had laid off 80. Is this true and do you know anything about it? Well, I can't give you exact figures, but yes, I, Morris has gone through a second uh, phase of laying off people. Yeah. Yeah. 
unfortunately. Uh, on the good news side, good news, bad news, is that they, I believe, have just won a contract from the Coast Guard to build four new sailboats for their Coast Guard Academy. Good. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's good. Uh, I understand that the funding for that is not tax dollars. Uh, you know, it would be a real issue to spend money on sailboats when they're having trouble sending money on education. But um, if it is true that their funding for these boats is uh, privately funded, that, that's half good. On the bad side is that the boats, as described to me, were that they'd like to be able to clean them out with a fire hose. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of carpentry going on in these boats. They're mostly going to be uh, composite boats. Some kind of a day sailor or something. Forty-something, I believe, is going to have a cabin and berths, you know, probably just pipe berths, but um, your basic small galley. And, and I believe they want to take these guys out for several days of training, hmm. which... be interesting to see what they are. Who designed them? <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to, I have to do some more research on that and tell you on that n next month. They, uh, but at least it's worked for for one boat yard anyway. And, yeah. and there is good a good designer is important. Good. Yeah. The the other side of the coin is that they uh, and the Navy Academy too can get a lot of boats donated to them. And uh, I often maintain that it's uh, a training thing to be able to uh, work on boats and know how they're built, how to repair them, um, how to maintain them, and that is something that they're not going to get so much with a, with a new boat. Why don't they just take some some of these donated boats, save the money, and uh, yeah. get some training that way? They, they, they don't do much of that for some reason. Yeah. I mean, these boats probably, when they're all done, are going to be well over a million dollars for the four and, of them. And the government still today has a lot of wooden boats. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. to mention the Constitution, huh? Well, yeah, but I mean, they have... Uh, Isn't the president's launch a wooden boat? Launch, I idea. believe, yeah, there's a, there's an actual presidential launch, some wooden 90-foot, you know, turn-of-the-century launch. <laughs> well, that's one that got by me. I've never heard about it, and I've, I've, I've surveyed a couple of them, but they were big boats. And, uh, you mean Navy boats? No, presidential, so-called presidential yachts. Okay. And I think that's something that's... You know, it's a selfish issue, I guess, but I think it's a shame that the President of the United States, no matter who he is or whether I like him or I don't, he uh, ought to be able to have a decent, attractive-looking American uh, catch, American-built yacht to entertain people in. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being able to take foreign dignitaries and people that are important uh, exchanging ideas and take them on a cruise down the Potomac River and back. And uh, I think that's, that should be able to be, should be able to have that. You're right. It's and a lot cheaper to run that than a jet. <laughs> yeah, and safer too. Yeah. Um, and But, you know, when you're on the water, conversations do come easily yeah. when you're sitting yeah. in the cockpit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and they come on a, a lot more pleasant basis. And uh, I think I think it's too bad. Yeah. But we've had, you know, I'm not criticizing presidents that didn't care anything about having a vote. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. And yeah. as for the Hinkley layoffs, they I don't believe they've laid off any recently. They had quite a large layoff. Oh, I'm going to say probably three or four months ago. Yeah. And um, 
if you happen to uh, be available on Friday morning, well, Friday all day, the Mount Desert Island Historical Society is sponsoring a boatyard tour. And the Hinkley Yard, well, actually both their yards, one in Trenton and one in Southwest Harbor, are going to be part of that tour. Uh, if you go to mdihistory.org, I guess is the... Oh, how did that meeting go that you people had over there? Um, that was in a conference meeting, yeah, whatever it was a conference. Want. It was um, Ralph Stanley, well-known wooden boat builder, um, Jock Williams, Lee Wilbur, um, Kyler Morris, and Phil... Philip Bennett, representing the Hinckley yeah, Company, yeah. all talking about the uh, what is the future of boat building on MDI was the name of the conference. And uh, it was interesting. The, the question was, what do, because it seems like nowadays people can make most any kind of a boat most anywhere. And what yeah. do people locally do to keep their reputation as being a, yeah. a, a high-quality, foremost boat builder? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I wouldn't know the answer. I think it's, but yeah. I think people putting their heads together uh, is is a good thing to do. Well, if you one suggestion I had is, what about thinking about green boat building, making boats with local materials uh, as much as possible, and having a problem is it if they're done right, they last too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may be a point. I mean, I've I've surveyed a lot of. Main built boats. I'm dealing with uh, just recently in, on the phone yesterday with two uh, about two boats. Uh, one man who's uh, 80, 87 years old still has his Roy Wallace built boat that is 57 years old. Boy, yeah. 57. And the sister ship, which was in Center Harbor yesterday, 59 years old. Boy. Plank, uh, framed in oak and Planked with eastern Maine cedar, mm -hmm. and it seldom rots. Yeah. Seldom rots. It's the original planking, then. Big pardon? Original planking. Original planking. Boy, yeah. that, that's yeah. that's yeah. saying something. Yeah. When you yeah. make them right, keep them yeah. dry on the yeah. inside. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we have a couple of calls, so let's uh, see if let's we can squeeze go. those in before the end yeah. of the hour. Yeah. Good morning, and welcome to Boat Talk. Hello. Good morning. Yes, you're on Boat Talk. Oh, hi. Yeah, my name's Bill. Hi, and Bill. I'm actually. Um, from the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm a uh, marine surveyor by trade in San Francisco. Um, I built most of my experience working in boat yards. And um, the first uh, point I wanted to bring up or question or something to present to your audience is in San Francisco, um, I met many um, of the crab fishermen. They were crab fishermen as well as salmon trawlers out there, trawlers out there. And unfortunately, our salmon industry has collapsed due to or um, management of the resource and the salmon habitat. Um, the crab fish, fishing is also falling apart. The dungeness is falling apart a little bit. But one thing just to the lobster people out here might consider is that the San Francisco Crab Association, Crab Fishermen's Association, was a very powerful lobby. And it's run by a guy named Larry Collins. And I might suggest to the fishermen out here, they look at the model and what they did um, to you know, represent their people's rights um, and other fishermen and being able to keep the resource viable. Well, thank you for that suggestion. What is your name again, please? My name is Bill. Bill, yeah. yes. You, you probably are familiar with the name Giffy Full and being a surveyor. 
Uh, well, not, not exactly. Oh, well. well I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're I'm, a Na- I'm a NAM surveyor. I've been a surveyor for three years now. Ah, okay. Yep, and you're on the uh, on the left coast, too. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for that call. We appreciate thank the you. suggestion. What was the name of the guy who runs the... Uh, His crab- name is Larry Collins. You don't happen to have any contact information. Well, I would imagine they're on the on the internet and on the web. Okay. And I just had another other couple comments. You mentioned about the presidential yachts. The um, Roosevelt presidential yacht, the Potomac, is currently in San Francisco and being operated by a nonprofit out there. It's been completely restored. Um, and also, I, I was asking you were mentioning about epoxy over wood. And my experience, at least in the West Coast climate, will that we successfully use epoxies over wood if the material is very, very dry before applied. The problems typically arise when you try and apply, apply epoxy over a wet substrate, and then the water tries to transfer through the epoxy and um, will bubble the epoxy. Oh, no, you wouldn't, I couldn't see ever putting it over anything that's damp. No, it just won't just penetrate. Just that, well, that's the key. I mean, and we do have a lot of IODs also on the West Coast. We have an active fleet out there, and um, we, we have uh, my yard successfully painted with an epoxy primer and a linear polyurethane top coat, and it held up very well. well um, but the boats do stay in the water year-round out there. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's probably, th- that effect alone makes probably a big difference. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I was going to say I was just interested to, you know, compare the different techniques from the East Coast and the West Coast. Well, it's interesting to, to hear different views, okay? Okay. Well, thank thank you. you. Thank you for that call. And we're just about at the very end of Boat Talk for this month. Thanks to all of you callers for calling in. Thanks to Giffy Full for coming in and making all his great comments. Stay tuned for On the Wing coming up next here on Community Radio WERU-FM Blue Hill 89.9 and 102.9 in Bangor. Until next month when Boat Talk sails by again. Thanks for supporting Community Radio. I survive the bills of boat and I survive the sail, sir. I survive the catch the fish and take some home to lie, sir.